That was awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. If I may do a quote from Coming to America, those girls can sing. Uh, if you have your Bible, please open it to Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24. Judges chapter 6, verses 17 through 24. <clears throat> People continue to uh, witness and even experience the, the painful realities of, of living in a broken and fallen world. People continue to experience these things, witness them. This is true in our country. It is also true in places across the ocean, like in Kenya, Nigeria, and Paris. And you see the brokenness. You hear about it. You listen to political rhetoric about it on TV or the radio. You even express your own opinions. You even post your opinions and views on Facebook. You even share them in private conversations. And some of you are scared. Some of you are afraid. Maybe some of you are angry and frustrated. But in all of our responses this week to things that have taken place in our world, both rational and irrational, have you asked yourself this question? Where is Jesus? Where is Yahweh Elohim? Where is he in the midst of terrorist attacks? Where is he? Can we point to proof? Of his presence when we all when things seem to fall apart. These are important questions, and I'm telling you, people are asking these questions, Christians and non Christians, and there are no easy answers to them. I've been preaching that God meets us in our broken places. And trust me, there are a lot of broken people in the world right now. I said he meets us in our broken experiences. He meets us in our broken view of him. He meets us in our broken view of self. And that's biblical truth. But life, but, but life can be cruel. It can be scary. It can be unfair. It can just be downright godless and evil. And life can beat you like with a baseball bat. Delivering blow after blow of disappointment, tragedy, and fear, and hardships. And it can bring you to a place of unbelief. It can bring you to a place that, where you start to doubt, is Jesus here? Where is he? It can make you say what Habakkuk says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Cry to you violence and you will not save. Like the psalmist in Psalm 13, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Have you ever said that? When you hear stories about 11-year-old suicide bombers and other heinous crimes, you are lost for words. And all you can say is, oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Jesus, please come. When you reach your breaking point in life, when we all have our breaking point, you will say, oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long? Let's not be deceived of our first world comforts. 
We will at one point say, oh, Lord, how long? If you have not already said it. People in Paris and Kenya and Nigeria, they're saying it. They're saying it. They want to know where is Jesus in the midst of what we just experienced. Where is proof of his presence? And we want to know the same thing in the midst of our tragedies and our disappointments and our sufferings. You want proof that he's still with you. And that is what Gideon desires in Judges chapter 6. Proof that God's presence is truly with him. And he's going to ask the Lord to show him proof. And the Lord is going to give it to him. Judges chapter 6, again in verse 17. Here's the Lord's word. And Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring you out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house, prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes with 22 liters of flour. The meat he put in the basket, the broth he put in the pot and brought them to him under the oak tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock, pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire sprung up from the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord disappeared from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Oh, no, O Yahweh Elohim, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Yahweh is peace. Let us pray. Yahweh is peace. We can sing about that, Lord, but it's often hard to believe it when we look around and we don't see peace. It's hard to believe it when all we see is anything other than peace. So, Father, I I do pray that that you would come and minister to our unbelief. That you would speak into the things that we see. I pray for those in our country and those around the world who suffer. Who who live all day long, don't know if they're going to die. We don't know what that's like to live in constant fear not knowing that today may be the day. So, Father, I pray that, that you will speak today to our hearts, that you will minister to our hearts, that as we leave here, Lord, we can leave here encouraged. We can leave here knowing that you are with us despite the brokenness in the world, despite the things that we go through. So, Holy Spirit, help our unbelief. Minister to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Gideon desires proof of Yahweh's presence in his life. So he requests a sign from the Lord. He requests a sign of presence. Now some people, maybe even some of you, may even look down on Gideon for asking the Lord for such a thing. Like how can he ask the Lord for a sign? 
especially in light of the favor that has just been spoken into his life in verses 12 through 16. Yahweh is with you, almighty man of value. So go out in this might of yours and save Israel. I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. Those are words of favor. But we can't be so quick to look down on this man. We have to see him in context of what is taking place in Israel. See that. You got to see that. It's like you going to a victim over in Paris and saying Yahweh is with you. Do they believe you at that moment? Do they believe you in that very moment that he's with them in the midst of their loss? No, they probably won't believe you because of what they just went through. So we have, to, we have to see him and what he's going through. He's in the midst of oppression. That's what he's going through. That's what his people are going through. Now, we know it's distant from the Lord because of that idolatry, but it's still hard. It's still oppression. Seven young years of it. Seven long years that have been in the hands of the Midianite people. And verses 1 through 6 talk about it. See, none of us know what it's like from personal experience to be a believer under that kind of oppression in where, in where we are today as American Christians. We don't know what it's like to be believers in the midst of a genocide. We don't. We do not know what it's like to be a Christian there. We don't know what it's like to be a Christian in constant fear of suicide bombers. We don't know. And I'm telling you, Gideon's oppression is not red cups from Starbucks. That's not his oppression. It's much severe. It's much severe. People are coming into his village, raiding his village year after year, year after year. I mean, they're hiding food in caves. That's what they're doing in the nation right now. They're hiding food in caves because people come and raid their land year after year at harvest time. So things are not good in the nation of Israel right now. They are oppressed. The scripture says they have been brought low. The whole community of people are low because of what they're going through. And now after seven years, this angel of the Lord appears to Gideon while he's in the hole, beating out wheat in a wine press, and says to him, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of great courage. After seven years of hiding food in caves, this angel appears to him. And speaks words of favor. Yahweh is with you. His power is with you. His promises are with you. You have favor in his eyes. He's caught off guard, like I said before. And I'm sure Gideon knows these words of favor. He understands what he's saying. But it sounds too good to be true, given his present situation. Sound too good to be true. So in verse 17, Gideon says, if I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. If I have found this favor, you've got to show me a brother a sign that this is you who's speaking with me. Because these words sound too good to be true. And we know when something sounds too good to be true, it's probably not true. Right? It's usually a scam. So Gideon has doubts. He's not fully convinced of the identity of the person speaking to him. That's the point. He's not fully convinced that this is the angel of the Lord yet. You see, we have the privilege of looking back 
into history. You got to understand that. We're looking back into history. So we get to be Monday morning quarterback saying what Gideon should and shouldn't do. We get that benefit. He doesn't have that benefit. He's not looking back in history. This is his reality. This is what he's going through. And he's not convinced that the person speaking to him is the angel of the Lord yet. So he has doubts. He has uncertainties. Because the individual, he's talking a good game. He's saying wonderful words, making all kind of promises. Yahweh is going to be with you. But when he looks at his situation, he doesn't think Yahweh has been with him. Yet, how is he going to be with me? Because he told the angel, I haven't seen any of his wonderful deeds in these seven years. So Gideon says, if now in my present situation, in my present context, if I have found favor, if I have found grace, if I have found kindness, if I have found acceptance in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. The favor is referring to Yahweh's presence with him, the power that's supposed to be with him, the promises that's supposed to be with him. The favor is talking about him being called to be a judge. And the favor is, is him, as Yahweh promising him victory. Because Yahweh promised him he would be victorious over the people of, of the Midianite people. If these words are true, then show me proof that it's you who is speaking to me. Show me proof that it's you who's making these promises to me. See, the truthfulness and the guarantee of the words spoken to Gideon is dependent upon the person saying it. Because I got to tell you, if my wonderful son comes to you and says, hey, here are some keys to a 2013 Honda Odyssey, take it. It's your car. Understand, it's not your car. Because my son is not in a position to give you my car. He doesn't have the authority to give you my car. And the same is true for Gideon. If what is said to him is not from the Lord, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And the same is true of Scripture. If this is not the word of God, then every word in it means nothing to you. It's pointless. It's meaningless. It's nothing if this is not the word of God. If it's just the word of man... It means nothing. It has no power. So you can understand why Gideon wants to know, is this brother really the Lord? Because if he's not, he's selling me a bill of goods. And it ain't true. So he requests for a sign that really shows that this is Yahweh. And it's, he wants a miraculous sign. That's what he's asking for. And that type of sign is an attest to divine presence. He wants a sign that shows that this person before me is really divine. That's what he's want. That's what he's asking. And so to get this sign, Gideon's going to present an offering to the angel here. And he hopes if the angel receives his offering, then he will give him the sign. Look at verses 18, verse 18 and 19a. Please do not depart from here until I return and bring to you my offering and set it before you. And the angel of the Lord said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house, prepared a young goat, and 11 cakes from 22 liters of flour. The meat he put in the basket, the broth he put in the pot, and brought them to him under the tree and presented them to him. So Gideon prepares this meal. And I believe it's a sacrificial meal because he's preparing it for limited resources. So it ain't like he had a whole bunch of food. So resources are already limited. 
So it's a sacrificial meal because he wants to get this sign. He wants to make sure. He wants confirmation of what has been said to him is from the Lord. The text says he presents these items to the angel. He presents them like a presentation because he wants the angel to accept them, to approve of them. And if he does, he's going to give him a sign of presence. So when he presents the items to the angel, the angel doesn't eat them. He doesn't eat the food. Take notice of that. Instead, he commands Gideon to do something else with each of the items, the bread, the meat, and the broth. The text says the angel of Elohim tells him. That's another change in the terms used of God. I believe this is the angels speaking in the name of God with authority, commanding him to put the meat on the rock, the cakes on the rock, pour the broth on top of the rocks. Why is he telling him to do these things? He's preparing Gideon for the sign. He's preparing Gideon to receive the sign that he's getting ready to perform. Because this offering is not to the angel. This offering is really to Yahweh. Not to the angel. And so he wants proof of presence. He's going to get the proof of presence. And the sign that the angel gives to Gideon is a sign that is common throughout the Old Testament. Verse 21. The angel of the Lord reaches out the tip of the staff that is in his hands and touches the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire springs up from the rock and consumes the flesh and the cakes. Two things here. Fire is the sign that shows that this is Yahweh before him. Fire is the sign that proves his presence. Fire communicates Yahweh's glorious presence as judge, provider, protector, and even covenant maker. Genesis 17, Genesis 15, 17, Yahweh's presence was a smoking pot and a flaming torch passing through the pieces of animals in his covenant with Abraham. Fire. Exodus 3, the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in a burning bush. Fire. Exodus 13, he laid Israel by a pillar of fire at night in the wilderness. Fire. Exodus 19, 18, the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai in fire. The verse says, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Daniel, in his great vision of the Ancient of Days, says he took his seat on his throne. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. And streams of fire issued and came out before him. And finally, in Exodus 24, 17, now the, appearance, now the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. They saw it. So the sign that he gives of Yahweh's presence is one of Yahweh is a consuming fire. A sign of his presence that has all throughout the Old Testament. The fire springs up through a rock. Remember, the rock was boarded down with broth. So you can't light a fire in wet places. But Yahweh can. And remember what happened on Mount Carmel when, with, uh, with Prophet Elijah. He watered that thing down. Three times. It was soaking in water. And Yahweh came down in fire and consumed it all up. That's our God. That's his presence. 
And second, he consumes the meat and the cakes. Why is that significant? Because that means Yahweh accepted Gideon's offering. That's what it means. Because remember, that the angel had him lay out these elements on top of the rock. And what Gideon does here is similar to the offerings that his ancestors offered to Yahweh in the past. All the elements are present. The meat, the bread, the broth, the rock as the altar. And so I believe what, what the angel has Gideon offered to Yahweh is a peace offering. And a peace offering is given in response to Yahweh's favor toward the one who offered it. Because remember, Gideon has his favor already. And so this offering is given in response to that. Gideon's ancestors knew and saw firsthand that Yahweh is a consuming fire. And I believe his forefathers told him these stories. And when Gideon saw this sign, he finally understood that this person before me is not just a man. It's not just a prophet. It is the angel of Yahweh, representing Yahweh himself. Verse 22 says that Gideon perceives that it is the angel of the Lord. So the sign of presence, it leads Gideon to a response, to a response of fear. Now, fear before Yahweh, that is an appropriate response. Fear that that is awe, that is reverence. But for Gideon, it wasn't that type of fear. It was another type of fear, fear for his life. Fear for his life. And so he says, oh, no, Yahweh Elohim. Oh, no, because the brother's afraid. He's terrified. Something has scared him to the point where he thinks he's going to die. His heart just dropped to his knees. Have you ever been that scared? Were your eyeballs about to pop out of your face? Your heart drops to your knees? Yes, that's Gideon. Because he realized. All this time, I'm standing face to face with the angel of the Lord. And he thought he was going to die. But the Lord comes and ministers to his fears and he says, peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Why? Because there's reconciliation between him and Yahweh. We are at peace. So you don't have to fear my presence. Because I'm not coming to you to judge you. You have favor with me. You have peace with me. And Gideon's response, for the first time, he responds in faith. For the first time in this conversation, you see Gideon believe. And he builds an altar, an altar of worship. And he says, Yahweh is peace. I hope you see what, what the Lord has done with Gideon. From a place of unbelief to belief. From a place of saying Yahweh has forsaken his people to a place of saying Yahweh is not at peace with his people. So what, what do you see here? The Lord meets this broken man and brings him to a place of greater faith and trust in him. And he does the same thing for you. He will meet you there and bring you to a place where you can trust him. What is God preparing him for? He's preparing him to go to battle with 300 men against thousands of men. I got to tell you, I'm not going to battle with 300 men against 100,000 men. If I don't believe Yahweh is with me, you got to see all this in context. He's preparing Gideon to trust him enough 
to say, I'll go to battle with 300 men against a whole army of people and still trust that you're going to give me victory. That, you've got to have a whole bunch of faith in Yahweh and his promises. Now, when you look at what takes place here, I know what comes to mind. You're like, he requests a sign, a sign is revealed, a sign is there's a response, and you're thinking, what does this have to do for me in our time? What does this have to do for people in our time, the church in our time? Should we ask the Lord to give us a sign of his presence? Should, do I have to make an offering to him to, to give me the sign? And so what does this mean for my life, for your life, for the church all over the world? What does this mean for us today? I believe there are times and seasons in our life when, when life just has you in a chokehold. And you can't breathe. And you want to know, is Jesus with me? I don't feel that he's with me. You're going to ask him, Lord, show me. Show me that you're here. It could be through a difficult marriage. It could be through a joblessness or homelessness or a sickness, death, terrorist attacks or whatever. Or living with a government who you believe putting your life at risk. Whatever it may be. You're going to ask yourself, you want to know, is Jesus really here with me? Is he really here? You're going to want proof that he's with you in the foxhole. Show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Beloved of Jesus, please know that God the Father will show you that he's with you. He'll give you the assurance of his presence in your life, in the midst of your darkness, your darkest hours. Now, it may not be like Gideon, but he will come. It can be through answered prayer. It could be through a conversation with a fellow brother and sister. It can be even through a song on the radio or something. He will come to you. You can never get to a place where you just say, I don't need faith. It's always going to require faith. I hope you realize the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you supernaturally is proof of God's presence in your life as a believer. That's proof. Because he made that promise, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Pentecost happened, the spirit coming upon God's people. And so you've got to hold on to that. You've got to believe that. That's proof that he's with you. The cross is proof of his presence in your life and the fact that he is your peace. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because if all you have is a faith that's based upon what you see, you would never believe it. Because everything in the world says to you, there is no God. Look at what is happening. Look at what you're going through. Where is your God? He's not real. If he's real, why are these things happening to you? Why is evil in the world? You will have to believe. You may be foolish to believe it, but you have to. That Yahweh is still here in your life despite what you go through and despite what you lose. His presence hasn't abandoned you. You have to always remember, if you are a believer, the cross, this table here. And I said this before. If he sent his son to die for his enemies... Think about that. 
You've got to really comprehend that. I know I said that a lot, but I want you to meditate on that. He sent his son to die for his enemies. That's like you taking a bullet for those who blew up those people in Paris. That's like you saying, I'm going to die for that person. Put it in that context. Because that's who you were before Jesus saved you. You were God's enemy. Destined for hell. First class ticket. And Jesus said, I'll come and die for that evil person. To make that evil person a son, a daughter. And so when you look at this table, you got to know what happened on the cross. Everything changed then. So if, if God did that to his son for me while I was an enemy, what is he going to do for me now as a son, as a daughter? Much, much more. And so you can look at what you go through and say, my God has me. My God got me. No matter what the world does, no matter what the enemy does, I am okay. I can get through because of what my God has done for me. Me and Tracy was driving home from basketball practice on Sunday and he said to me daddy is this real I said what, what is real and he talked about a song that was on the radio station that was playing he asked is this song real is this song real and what it's saying about Jesus and what was the, the song says there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain and my son wanted to know is that real is that real or is that a lie? What that son saying about Jesus? It's real. In the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain in your life. But you have to believe it. And if you don't believe it, you say, Holy Spirit, help me overcome my unbelief. And so if you're in unbelief today, then this table here is to help you believe what is hard for you to believe. That Jesus Christ is real in your life, despite what you go through. And this table is for those who have faith in him. This table is for those who have been saved by his redeeming blood, those who have saving faith in him. And if you've made that decision, then this table is for you, and you need to come and get encouragement because you are his. Now, if you don't know Jesus, then you need to come talk to me after the service, and I can tell you how you can know him. Because if you don't know him, you ain't ever going to find what you want out there. You're going to always be in disappointment. Because only Jesus, Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can give you healing. Only he can make you right with God. There's no other way to make yourself right with God other than saving faith in Jesus. If you never come to him, you're just faking it. You need to come and surrender your life to him. Now, kids, parents, if, if, you, if your child does not know Jesus yet and have not been welcome to the table by the church you attend, then I please let them abstain from the elements. Now, if I can have all the kids, all the kids, look at your pastor. I want you to know that this table is a reminder to each of you what Jesus has done for you. There are those in the world who will tell you Jesus ain't real. He did not die on the cross for your sins. I'm here to tell you he did. And this table is a reminder of that. It's my prayer. It's a prayer of your officers. It's a prayer of your parents. That one day you too will come to saving faith. And when you do, you can partake of this meal with your church family. So I'd like to call the officers forward.
And before we receive the elements, go to the Holy Spirit and ask him to prepare your hearts for the Lord's table.